The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Well, here we are. This is our summer Sundays, and this is actually the last of our summer Sundays. So, well, thank you, Mark, and I hope you've enjoyed them. And uh, I'm trusting that today we're going we're gonna to have a great time together. Can anybody remember what last week was about? For the sake of our preacher of last week, please say something about it quickly. Jail, your chains and the jail, thank you very much indeed. If you have been reading uh, BTC Kids, if you've been reading your diary of a disciple, William decided that we, we needed, from the front here, to finish it off. So we've, we've jumped, we've been jumping around. Last week we were looking at the story of, the, of Paul and Philippi, and he was in the jail in Philippi. We had that story. And this week we're, we're moving on. In fact, this week we're moving on to a journey. I guess some of you have been on journeys recently. Maybe you've been away on holiday, you've been on a long journey. Or even if it's not recently, I'm sure at some stage you've been on a long journey. Am I right? Incidentally, this morning is going to have a lot of audience participation. Okay, so this is by more of a warm-up, really. I'm just making sure you're there. So you've all been on a long journey at some time. Yay! This is very good. It's going, it's going well so far. Okay, but we're right at the beginning, aren't we? So if you've been on a long journey, this is really what it's all about. It's about a long journey, and long journeys they can. Well, when you get back from them, people often say, "Well, how was your journey?" How was it? How was the traffic? Did you have any traffic jams? You know, if you're going to catch a flight, did you catch your flight all right? Was that okay? Did you remember your passport? People ask you questions about your journey, and and they say, have you had a good journey? And today, I'm going to ask that question of the Apostle Paul himself, because today we're going to look at his journey from Jerusalem to Rome. So that was a journey, and we're going to ask him that question. How was your journey, Paul? But as I say, there's a little bit of participation. That is because we're trying to keep everybody connected with what we're doing. We don't want anybody to go to sleep. We want everybody to be fully awake. So at various times, we're going to have some audience participation. And because this is a journey and it's a boat journey, uh, there's going to be a lot of things happening. And I'm only hoping that I can remember them all at the right time. Okay, That's really going to be one of the fun things of the morning. But when you see this sign, I want you to say what it says, and the context is you are responding to the captain of the ship, and you are saying, that was very good, that was very good, just to check again, you're responding to the captain of the ship, and you're saying, brilliant, I love that, I love that, now there are various people that I am going to represent during this. One of them sometimes is the captain. When I am the captain, okay, I have my captain's hat on. It's the best I could come up with in a short time, okay? That's the captain. Now, there's not only the captain that is being represented this morning, but there is the crew. So when I'm responding as the crew, I know you're loving this. Helen said to me this morning, what do you need that hat for? In a slightly nervous thing. 
And I said, well, it's because of it. So I'm now the crew, and at times the crew are going through hard situations. And when the crew go through hard situations, the crew say... Exactly. You see? When you... Well, slightly Cornish, yeah. I mean, you can put the accent on that you require. But at times the crew are going through hard situations, and when that happens... Okay. Now, as you see, because there's a lot of components, and uh, they've got my hat around the right way, by the way, there's one other character, and when I'm like this, I'm either myself or I'm the Apostle Paul. Now, I'm not suggesting that the two are that close by any means, it's just I run out of hats. And I, okay, so that's, that's the way it is. So, otherwise, I'm going to be the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul is obviously taking part in this. And, um, right, okay, so we're asking Paul... How was your journey? How was your journey? The journey that you took from Jerusalem to Rome. Now, if you've read Acts chapter 27, you'll already be slightly in advance. And I don't actually, in one sense, want to spoil things. But I want to give you some good news. And the good news is that Paul did make it to Rome. He did make it to Rome. But we're asking him, how was your journey, Paul? So Paul speaking. So now I'm Apostle Paul. Okay. And Paul is saying this. Well, it was an eventful journey. Where? It had its moments. Um, Where should I begin, really? I suppose I should begin where it all started, he says. So Paul is continuing to say, he says, there was a centurion, and his name was Julius, and he was assigned the task of taking me on a boat to make sure that I got to Rome. Because the reason that Paul was going to Rome was that he was going to go and have an audience, or he had said that he wanted to see Caesar, and he wanted to be supported and and allow Caesar to hear his case. So a centurion called Julius was assigned to him to get him safely to Rome. Paul goes on to say, this uh, centurion got us to the port of Adramitium, I should have practiced this beforehand, Adramitium, and we boarded a ship that sailed along the ports of Asia. Okay, because not only do we have hats, but we have a ship. It's not the greatest ship. So we're now sailing, and we're sailing uh, around uh, the ports of Asia, and our map, we're going, from, going along around the top uh, near Cyprus. He's going along the coast of Asia. That's where we're going. So as we're going along, the captain says, All aboard! Okay, so we've seen the map, we know where we're going. When they got to Myra, which is uh, just on the coast of modern-day Turkey, they had to change ships, and the centurion managed to find a ship that was going off for Italy, obviously towards Rome, where he needed to go, and he managed to get everybody passage on the boat, and off they went. So the captain said, All aboard! Excellent. This is now back to Paul, okay? Sailing, Paul said, was quite slow due to the weather. The wind kept blowing, as you can see, blowing in our sails, and it was blowing in our faces, and it was coming from behind us, and uh, the going was difficult. But eventually, we made it to a place called Fair Havens. Fair Havens is on the uh, island of Crete, so they got as far as Crete. When they arrived there, Paul spoke up. And he sensed that the voyage was going to be disastrous and would bring great loss to the ship and its cargo and to our lives. So this is what Paul has been saying to the captain and to the people. 
Well, Julius, Julius the centurion, he certainly heard Paul's warnings, but he followed the advice of the boat's uh, pilot who said that it was better for them to harbor not where they were right now because there wasn't enough protection, but to sail around Crete and to get to the, uh, the harbor at Phoenix, which he said would be a far better winter stopping place. Okay, we're going to Crete. Well, the weather actually improved, and as you can see, our sails were just filling up beautifully. And with a gentle south wind blowing, we sailed off for Phoenix Harbor. We were sailing along the coast of Crete, but then a hurricane force wind came along, and it blew the ship sail away, and disaster struck. So our ship is disastrous because the sails have gone now. Okay, that's basically what's happened. And uh, this is not good news, as the crew themselves declared. Exactly, because now we find the wind is blowing the ship in the wrong direction. It actually says that this storm was so great, the sailors were scared. We've got to get a picture of what's actually going on here. Because although we're having a laugh with the boat, being out on the water and sailing around, the sailors... And these are guys who would have known what to do. They were scared. The scriptures actually say that they started to throw ropes around the boat. So they managed to get ropes that went around and under the hull so they could actually bind the, rope, uh, bind the ropes together and hold the ship together. They also says they started to throw cargo overboard. That's my little bit of cargo. I thought of health and safety as well because that's not too heavy. By the third day, it says that the, uh, the, the storm had got so bad, not only had they been throwing the cargo overboard, but they started to throw the ship's spare parts overboard as well. The weather did not let up. In fact, it was so bad, Paul says, that we could hardly tell whether it was day or night. All that we knew was that the storm was raging on and on. You've been out in the weather recently, and you go out on Monday, and it's like sunny in the morning, and then it starts to rain, and then Tuesday's raining all day, and it's been like that. And you know when you get to that point, you say, when is this rain going to stop? You get to that frustration of, when are you going to change the weather? Here, the storm had begun, and the storm was raging, and it was going on for day after day. They were fearful for the ship. So they've been throwing things overboard. They've been tying the ship together. They've been getting rid of everything that could be blown around. I guess some of the things were thrown overboard literally because they were being moved around and it could have injured people because of the, the rough sea. So that's what was going on. The scriptures themselves say, and this is Luke reporting this in, in Acts, it says, it got to the point where everyone gave up hope of making it alive. There was once when we went on a short, uh, we went on a holiday to uh, Corfu, and I had my mother and father-in-law with me. Charlotte and Henry were young kids, and beautiful day, beautiful weather. We hired this boat to go just a little bit along the coastline and to enjoy, you know, seeing some of the other inlets. I mean, many other people were doing this. We'd hired the boat. Come on, mother and father-in-law, there we are, only a small boat, and we're cruising along. We went and we had some lunch a bit further up the coast. When we came back, the wind had picked up. 
Not a great deal, but it had picked up. On the way there, smooth, calm, there was no worries. But on the way back, the wind had picked up. In fact, it was picking up. And so suddenly, whereas everything had been fine, and me, the pilot, had no problems, suddenly this boat that was very low in the water, the waves were starting to come. And nobody really said anything, but there was this sense of, are we going to make it? And it was nothing like, Paul, I've... As you can see, we made it. We made it okay. But the situation was uh, that we all got scared. In this case, everybody's scared, and they'd had enough. They got to the point where the sailors, people who are used to this, were saying, we're not going to make it out of this situation. We're not going to make it alive. That is where they got to. It's hardly surprising, therefore, that the crew said, Indeed. The general consensus was that everybody felt that they were doomed. Now, we have to ask the question, okay, well, what happened next? Well, this is what happened next. At this point, if you like, at the low point of this journey, when everybody had really lost hope and thought that everything was going to fall together, Paul himself gets up and he starts to speak. Acts 27, verses 21 to 26. I'm going to read a little bit through to you. Verse 21 says this, Men, Paul starts, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but in the midst of that situation, I don't particularly think that that message went down terribly well. Because it's a bit like, you know, like, okay, anybody can say that. Anybody can say something for me. We all know we shouldn't have left there now. What's the point of saying that? But nevertheless, Paul does say it. So it's a bit of a case of, okay, Paul, thank you very much. We're not looking for, we're looking for news. We don't really want history being told to us. But then Paul went on to say this. But he says, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. For you surely will stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage. So Paul is saying, so take courage, everybody. And then he goes on to say, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Well, you can imagine what? If you were in that situation... And we're not, we're just sitting here calmly in church, we're listening to the story being told. But if you're in that situation, which had got to the point where you feared for your very life, in fact, you've given up hope, we're doomed. This is it. We're not going to make it now. And this guy's coming up and saying, you're going to be safe. Why do I know you're going to be safe? Because last night, an angel of the God whom I serve came and spoke to me. And this is what he's told you. Now, interestingly enough, you'd expect at that moment everything to go calm. Or perhaps that, is that how the story goes? It doesn't. In actual fact, we're not told exactly the timeline, but it seems to me that that statement came and the storm was still raging. In fact, I think that statement came and the storm still raged maybe for a few days. What did everybody think of this? Wow. Is this true? What's this guy said? The storm's still going on. Is it going to happen? Isn't it going to happen? 
Certainly, it was a very bold statement from Paul. What we do know is that the Bible does eventually say, it says that on the 14th night of them being adrift in the storm, about midnight, the sailors began to think, hey, we're getting near land. So they started to put their measuring lines over and they found, took a measurement and then a short while later, they took another measurement. Short while later, they took another measurement and they found, hey, we're getting nearer and nearer the land. So now they were getting very fearful. What can we do? They decided to throw over the, overboard four anchors. So they'd obviously still got kept anchors on board. They threw them all over, over the back of the ship in the idea of holding the ship steady while the storm still raged and was pushing them forward. They hoped that this would hold them steady. And indeed it did. Nevertheless, when this was going on, some of the crew went around the ship and they tried to get the lifeboat. So they found the lifeboat and they were trying to release the lifeboat onto the water. And now Paul steps up and he tells Julius, the centurion, and he says to Julius, if these men get in that lifeboat and they go off, you will lose your life. We will be doomed. So you need to get rid of the lifeboat. So Julius... Strangely enough, this time he listens to Paul and he goes up and cuts the rope that hold the lifeboat and lets the lifeboat drift off with nobody going off in it. So here they were in the boat all together, but the no lifeboat. Now Paul speaks up again. This time he encourages everybody. He says to them, look, it's many days since we've been without food, but I'm going to take bread. So he took bread. He gave thanks to God for it, and in front of all of them, he started eating, and he encouraged everybody to do so. And so everybody took hold of some bread and started to eat it. And interestingly enough, the Bible at this point tells us how many people were on board. It says 276 of them, 276 of them tucked in and ate. The captain spoke up, come on men, let's do what Paul has done. In a short while, when morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay in front of them and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors that were behind them and left them in the sea. They lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed towards the shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship struck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. Everyone escaped safely to shore. Thank you very much indeed. Now, that's basically our story. I just want to give you a couple of points to, to notice through this story, because I think the story is of incredible importance. God had said to Paul in Acts 23, so some chapters before, we read of the fact that he said, take courage, Paul, as you have testified to me in Rome, in Jerusalem, so you will testify to me in Rome. Now that actually, that statement to Paul had been made probably some two years prior to this event. But something was burning in Paul's heart. He knew that God had said, 
I'm going to get you to Rome. I want you to hold that in your minds. Point to note. No matter what is going on around you, put your confidence in God because he is always working his purposes out. God had spoken to Paul and he said that he was going to fulfill his purposes. But that was two years beforehand. So you can imagine that as Luke is recording in Acts that this whole story, that when it said that neither sun nor stars appeared, and for many days, we finally gave up hope of being saved. Well, it basically what that meant is neither sun nor stars. It meant it was thick clouds. The storm was so intense. They hardly knew whether it was day or night from one moment to the next. They just had to endure this. And they were enduring it to the point where they felt like, okay, we've given up. We're now going to die. How do we feel in such circumstances? Don't we find ourselves in life that we come to such situations? You know, because I find that trials don't just last for a few moments. Some do. There's a difficulty one day, but at the end of you pray, God, please help me in this. The end of the day, it seems to sort itself out, or a couple of days, hey, that's gone and forgotten about. You carry on with life. Other trials seem to go on, and they 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 seem to go on. And a bit like the storm, it's like you get to a point where you think like, I have given up all hope. Can God really help me? Is he able to do these things? Paul was holding on to a word. God, you said I was going to get to Rome. It doesn't say whether he'd given up hope. It doesn't tell us what he prayed. But we do know that he had had an encounter with an angel, and I believe he was praying. I believe that Paul would have been thinking back to the stories he'd heard of Jesus. Jesus is in a storm. The disciples have probably told him about that. We were in this storm, and we called upon Jesus. Don't you care, Jesus? Look at this storm. We're all going to die. Jesus just gets up and speaks to the wind and the waves, and everything goes calm. I think that Paul had probably been up on deck and had probably shouted at the wind and the waves. I think he would have been saying, God, where are you? Come and save us. And like nothing happened. And you know what? I know it doesn't say that, but it makes me think about what happens in our situations when we're going through it day after day after day after day after day. And you've heard a message on Sunday that's talking about Jesus calming the storm. And you go home to your storm and you say, storm, be still in the name of Jesus. And you go to bed that night thinking like, let's see what God will do. And the next morning, it's still the same. That is life. But I want to tell you, that in the midst of difficult circumstances, we should never give up trusting God because even when we don't understand, he is working his purposes out. He's always working his purposes out. And you know what? His purposes are above our understanding. They're greater than our understanding. And so often we can't work out exactly what God is going to do, but we need to trust in him. And we need to remember that God loves us. God is for you. He's not against you. He loves you for who you are. Yes, you might have made mistakes. And you know the mistakes you've made. And you know those mistakes you continue to make. And you therefore think that you can be discounted because, well, the reason that God isn't answering is because I'm a mess as a Christian. Listen, we're all messed up as Christians. That's the reason why we're holding on to God. Because he's the only one who can bring us through. So if you're thinking you're the one... Oh, no, no, I'm not good enough. I'm telling you this morning that God loves you. He loves you so passionately. He is for you, not against you. 
He is the lover of your soul and the lifter of your head. And if you're going through a storm that has been lasting weeks, months, even years, I can declare to you that God has not abandoned you. He is for you. He is with you. And he can bring you through to the other side. What does that look like? I have no idea. I don't know whether Paul knew exactly at the beginning of the journey what it was going to look like. He's just thinking, I hope I get there. But you know what I think he'd been praying? I hope I get there, but Lord, will you save these people? Will you rescue these people where I'm at? And today, although I'm in the midst of a storm, I'm praying for these 270, was it six or 73 other sailors who are with me. I'm pleading with you, Lord, keep their lives safe. And there was a time when that angel came and said, listen, everybody's going to be safe. But you're going to have to go through a shipwreck. And there's not anything going to be saving you. You're going to have to go through it, but I'm going to see you safe. God has granted you all of these people. I think which is my second point really, is, and I suppose I should get to it so I can quote it properly. Daily trusting in Jesus and following him can cause your life to be a living testimony to others. Daily trusting in Jesus and following him can cause your life to be a living testimony to others. I don't know whether Paul preached on that boat. I think the assumption is he probably did because he's Paul, but it doesn't tell us that. But what we do see is the testimony of this man's life. When they're at Fair Havens or even beforehand, he's saying like, I see this trip's going to be disastrous. I wouldn't go this way. And he was right, but they didn't listen to him. Later on in the midst of the storm, and he's saying, listen, we're going to be saved. That hardened centurion was trusting in what Paul said. There was something about Paul's life that caused people to listen to him. And at the end, they had seen a testimony that this man who trusts in God, this God had delivered them and they got safely to shore. Yeah, they were soaking wet, but they had made it. They had their lives. God was able to do things that they themselves couldn't do. And you know what? The testimony of our lives, sometimes many of us feel, I don't preach enough. I haven't said the right words. I want to say to you, the testimony of your life in your workplace, in your school, in your home, is the most vital part of your life. Who you are, trusting in God, believing in God, taking hold of his promises. You might not always think you're doing it the best way. You might still come out with the odd swear word at times. Oh gosh, what's Jesus going to say? And yes, we should be changing that because Jesus has the power to change us. But what I'm saying to you is not about whether we're perfect. It's about whether we're seeking to come under his authority. Whether we're seeking to live for him. We have been called not just to be Christians, but to be as Christians, to be those who give their lives to Jesus and say, okay, you're the one who's going to lead me. Allow me now to live for you so that others can see in my life you. And that's what we as a people are seeking to grow in week by week. We're looking for perfection, but we can't find perfection amongst us because it's still being worked out. But if we keep close to Jesus, I believe that he will take us through the storms that we're facing. Because you see, he knows the reason for the storm. That's the, he knows the reason. We can look at this. Well, what was the purpose of that storm? I've no idea. But what I do know is that that storm spoke to all of those sailors and eventually that storm caused the changing of lives of people on the, life, on the island of Malta. And that storm has been written down for us to learn lessons of. So in a case, that storm has been speaking to millions of people. 
Maybe that was its purpose. But for those people, and for Paul, he had to endure 14 days of a raging storm at sea, fearful, not knowing what was going to happen each moment, but simply having to trust in God. And the only thing I can say to you, if you're going through a heavy storm this moment, is the simple thing is this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. As human beings, we want to know the answer for tomorrow now. As Christians, our job is to say, I don't need to know, but I can trust God because he will look after me. So that's what I think we can learn from this, uh, this message of Paul. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that Paul himself had taken note of the fact that in Philippi jail, the Philippi jail experience was some eight years before this. So the Damascus Road thing had happened where Paul got saved. That was like 25 years beforehand. The Philippi jail, where he was there, in jail, had a bad day, but God brought him through. That was eight years ago. So all of the past experiences he's been through bring him to this day to give him the courage to face tomorrow. Everything that you've had in your life so far, God has been working on you because he wants you to have the courage to get through today you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow hasn't come yet. He wants us to have the courage to get through today so that tomorrow we can come before him again to have courage to get through tomorrow. We keep looking beyond ourselves because we want to control everything and we want to have everything perfect in our lives. It doesn't work like that with God because he's in control. What we need to learn is to surrender our control and to allow him to have his way so that his will can be done in our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.